We're back with another exciting edition of Inspire AD, where we examine the linear history behind Inspire Pro, starting from the very beginning. And here we find ourselves back at the Austin Sports Center after a phenomenal event where we experienced a homecoming. We were back at our former venue, uh, Marquesa, newly minted AFS Cinema. It was good to be home, right? It felt great, yeah. but uh, prior prior to going back to Marquesa, <laughs> we'd experienced quite a bit of uh, tumultuous wheeling and dealing. Uh, we we had a, we had a venue like put in front of us, and then that venue went out of business, and they tried to stick us in some goddamn closet way up north. And then I basically reached out to the folks at AFS, and they were, you know, I was at that point desperate. They brought us back. We were grateful. But in the commotion of all that nonsense, we had negotiated a free date yep. out of the folks at Austin's Sports Center. Couldn't beat the price. Nope. It was free. So, we, you know, we were on the books. We had the date. And we also had uh, some logistical <laughs> issues that we didn't know if... Uh, AFS could accommodate. So yeah. we really had to go back for multiple reasons. I don't think any of us were jazzed to go back. <clears throat> no, no, it it was uh it was dreadful. I think the yeah, I, I mean the, there was a there for me there wasn't a lot of dread. What I really liked about going back was there was this idea that we had just negotiated going back for a year to AFS so I just had this like fuck this shit yeah. and I was like throwing my gum wrappers yeah. everywhere I don't give a fuck I was like I'm not coming back here I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna rent party this motherfucker into the <laughs> ground I didn't care I was like put fucking holes in the floor dudes I don't give a fuck yeah. you know <laughs> I was I was ready to burn that bridge man I hated that fucking manager dude that fucking schlub with his big gulp walking around it, it was just such a uh, a drastic difference from like Walking in the market AFS and just being like, holy shit, here we are again. Um, like going back to your childhood home, right? And uh, and then just walking into that building, like, uh, never fucking again, you know? Yeah, the guys at Austin Sports Center, they didn't really understand how to be hospitable. Whereas at AFS, the people who were event coordinators very clearly knew how to take care of people. You know what yes. I mean? They were very excited. They treated you. They treated you like they that that you mattered. They cared about your money. You go to you, you, when we went to Austin Sports Center. It was like, you know, like when when you meet a hot chick and she's and you know you go I home. Have no idea what that's yeah, like. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you meet a hot chick and you take her home, and she acts like it's just a privilege for her to let you touch her, so she just lays there and does no work. That's what the Austin Sports Center people felt like. It was just like, you ought to be grateful that we let you in these fucking doors. And they'd sashay around and point at all the deficiencies in, in your ability to actually put on an event, even though they really didn't understand what was going on. And anytime you ask them questions, they'd just be like, oh, I'm just trying to drink my slushy and answer these fucking emails. You know, it was really really just not it's not what I want from someone I'm I'm making money go for. in the doors with yeah but, I'm, but yeah. you know at the end of the day what are you doing though you're bringing them rent you're bringing them commerce you know you're, you're actually going to work for them and uh, I, I don't like being big-timed well that was an extremely awkward uh, feeling for me to uh, to think about going into the doors of Austin Sports Center so yeah let's uh, you want to get into it or you want to go to questions? Well, I think I think we've set it up. So, yeah, let, let's go ahead and get into it because the the one of the biggest reasons to go back was our opening match. Yes. And this of course is the the cage match, the the final of the the best the not best of 3 because the other two didn't didn't have a finish, but yeah. Well, yeah. I do. I do think that there's one question that I got recently from somebody, and they asked us what they asked us what the grand design on Jordan Linux was. Um, 
at the time, Jordan was about to, I think, take some time off for a surgery or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we knew that he kind of had a limited shelf life. A lot of people have asked, was this supposed to build to some grand Wrestle Circus crossover? And that was not the case. We never had that that design at all. We never talked to Al about that. I think had both companies continued to kind of persevere, there would have been time where we became entangled somewhere down the road just for shits and giggles. But I don't, you know, I don't, there was no delusion that, <clears throat> there was going to be an invasion or anything like that, but I I think what what I liked about <laughs> Jordan was Jordan had a a level of athleticism that was impressive. Yeah, but at Wrestle Circus, he would be in uh, in scrambles with like some of the most athletic people in wrestling. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it didn't shine through, right? Um, so. You had this guy that had the ability to, to do that type of stuff, right? Um, so putting him in there with, with guys like uh, Ryan Davidson and some of the people we'd put him in later with, and we'll dig into this deeper then, um, he could work kind of that Texas style, more hard hitting. And then when he would do something athletic, it would pop and shine a little bit more. So I always thought that there was great, um, you know, there was... There was a lot of high ceiling in, in that. You look at the Wrestle Circus cards, they're very much spot cards. They are there to give you these big marquee events with crazy dream matches. There wasn't always, in my opinion, a lot of storyline evolving. And Jordan had been following our product for a long time, and he really seemed to uh, enjoy our creativity. He really wanted to be a part of a long-term angle. And so there was, of course, this this plan to bring Jordan in, run a very short angle, have him kind of go on the shelf to deal with his, uh, his, uh, physical issues. And then we would come back with Jordan and kind of continue the angle and do some, some fun, uh, history referencing stuff. Uh, yeah, Jordan was really athletic and, and he, I think the idea of putting him against Ryan, was interesting because it's not just like this Mr. Super Fast Athletic Bouncy Guy versus the same, you know? I think that's that's how you best showcase and utilize someone when you kind of play, you know, Enter the Dragon and you have two varied fighters showcasing different styles against one another. You know, it's not just samey. RVD versus Bam Bam is a perfect example where you have these two respective heavyweights in their own in their own way, clashing. They're very different guys with different styles. And uh, that's the entire premise of pro wrestling that makes it interesting is that it's supposed to be people showcasing different styles against one another to prove some sort of dominance. It's, it's, it's competition, you it's know? It's the fucking Kumite. It is the, the Kumite. Kumite. You have yeah. You have the guy doing the fucking, like, yeah. his arms over his head style, and you have fucking the kickboxer, and you have the biker, and they all fight each other. It's the fucking Kumite. Yeah. Is the biker going to beat up the Russian guy? Who yeah, knows? You know. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So, it depends so, on who's got the pencil, brother. Absolutely. But at this point, we had no delusion of doing a Wrestle Circus crossover. It was just kind of using Jordan to a different extent. It was just kind of funny to have this guy who was local, who... Uh, who was working over at Wrestle Circus, who had a lot of upside, who was really pleasant to work with. It didn't make sense not to work with him, you know, yeah. he, and he was, he actually expressed interest initially. And I, I was really honored by the fact that yeah. Jordan wanted to be a part of our product. Yeah. It was more about working with Jordan than it was working with, with Wrestle Circus. Yeah. We did, we do, we did something very different from what Wrestle Circus did as we've delved into in the past. Yeah. Um, anyway, but, so let's talk about let's talk about this cage match. This is woo. okay. So I'm um, Jack Armstrong. Uh, he since we started had been talking about building a cage, right? So I think this this was a few months after he had actually completed it, right? Uh huh. Because we had time to really build to this, we kind of knew where we wanted to go with it, and then we kind of built up to that. These point. two uncontainable forces being thrown into a pin, finally, where they would be forced to <laughs> face one another without any sort of uh, interference or running. There's nowhere to run in the cage. One thing I also do want to say is that I was happy with how we placed this this match. Um, setting up a cage, man, it takes time, and yeah. we don't have like the crack the crack team that a lot of other people do. Plus 
because I, I love the idea of this match going on first. People enter the sports center and you see the cage first thing as you walk in. It felt huge. But also, we didn't have to take however long to set up the cage. Yeah. You know, we, we could just do it at the beginning of the show, get the cage up, then break it down very easily because breakdown is very, very quick. Yeah, so, so I'll transition into one of the questions I've got over here um, because it's relevant. Um, I want to read it off. Uh, was having the cage match worth the effort to get one and to put it up? The way that we did it, I'd say yes. Oh yeah, I was I was I was ha- I was happy with certain aspects of it. I, my memory is a little foggy. Yeah, and I also think I might have been worked. Um, so at some point in the match, the, one of the cage walls topples. Yeah. Was that was was I worked on that? Was that something that was set up? No, that was not set up. Okay, because I was pissed because I was like, oh, we could have killed a bunch of people in the front row. Yeah, we could have. But, but also, um, the way that certain <laughs> the way it was spun to me later was that someone said that they thought it was a cool visual and that it was kind of set up like that. And I was like, well, if you set if you did set that up like that, fuck you. Yeah. You know, because that was really a scary moment for me. But yeah, something where like uh, you know they flung each other into one of the one of the wall one of the cage walls yeah so it very visually stunning sorry to to jump in but very visually stunning scene i think it was was lennox the one caught yeah and uh davidson hit him and the cage came out away from the apron so when he came back into the cage he fell down in between the ring and the cage and was basically stuck there until they worked him back up into the ring uh but unless they were working me as well was completely not planned. Uh, Jack was very concerned when yeah. it happened. So um, if they did, it was a master class, and they had old Jack in on it. This was one of those situations where things kind of malfunctioned, but yeah. I think they did a really good job of uh, Ryan, uh, recovering. Ryan you know? Davidson is an extremely good professional wrestler. Like, extremely good. <laughs> you know, he's TV-ready, man. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Like... Um, it's only a matter of time for that guy. Yeah, like he, he his ability to think on his feet is uh, is incredible, right? So um, he really saved the day there. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we're going into this sh- this this event with a really weird energy. I've got this just devil may care uh, opinion of things. I don't really give a shit about burning this bridge just because I hated dealing with the people there. I really didn't care for the venue though. I liked aspects of it. I loved the balcony um, for the boys that was above the, the, the volleyball court, but I hated seeing the hoops and I hated the fact that we couldn't dim the lights. And I, I just, I hate that gymnasium look. I think it, I think it makes indie wrestling look even more Bush League, you know? And, and as, as opposed to AFS, I think coming out of there, we looked at the, the photos and we looked at the video. Oh, and how huge does AFS make us look, yeah. you know? It was just, it's, it's just kind of grim and it feels like a theater and i i think that that is more uh beneficial and uh in the spirit of professional wrestling as this performance art yeah yeah I, I, there's a certain style that uh, uh that i appreciate in the the gymnasium yeah but the but our aesthetic does not fit with it you know it's kind of, it is kind of bush league though it doesn't feel right i mean it's a yeah. it's you know it's it's just it makes sense when you're playing a ball a ball game to see a fucking hoop. It doesn't make sense to see that. It feel it really feels like you're just in in, uh, in any port that you could have found when the 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 bat the, the hatches needed to be battened gotcha. down. You know. So so for me, it harkens back to amateur wrestling where there's a mat laid out across a fucking yeah. basketball, and then it's always that right. I get I guess up north they have like wrestling specific fucking amateur wrestling specific arenas and shit, but. As an amateur wrestler in Texas and UT in Oklahoma and a lot of places down south, it would be a, a amateur mat across a gymnasium. And then, like, for state and that, it would be packed. And it was a really cool atmosphere. Yeah. So it's sort of... There's a weird part of it that harkens back to that for me. But that's not who we are. I just don't... I just don't... I think it... <clears throat> even though there is this veneer of sports competition... Uh, in front of pro wrestling, I feel like it's still this kind of 
dark, gritty, theatrical, carny thing. And when you throw it under very bright lights, it just doesn't feel at all correct to me. Spiritually, it's just really fucking off. You know, it just, it, I never felt comfortable like, there. Like a strip club when the lights come on at the end of the day. Absolutely, man. I don't, I, <laughs> no, no one needs that. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it was a good match. Uh, a few, a few, a few moments scared the shit out of me. Uh, but you know, it, this was the kick with the chain, right? The almost fucking concussed um, Davidson, it, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a scary, scary match, but it got the blood pumping. It made the fans happy. The response was pretty good. Um, the cage, the cage wall coming down. I think had it happened in a way that was less spec- spectacular and almost uh, took out crowd members God, i think yeah. i think it would have i don't think it would have gotten the same response it didn't i mean it, it was unfortunate that the cage came apart but it came apart in such a spectacular fashion so as to create a sense of danger so it was okay man but yeah. so fuck. i will say to, to go back to the question you know was it worth it um you know I, i've said before right like the ring doesn't draw any fans and the building doesn't necessarily draw any fans depending on what the building well, is. it's a gimmick yeah so but, the cage match draws fans. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 also something that, you know, I like doing things that you don't see often. You don't see, you know, that was our first and last cage match. I'd love to do another one uh, in the future. But I think things like that can't be driven into the ground. They really have to be, uh, they have to be peppered in uh, very sparingly so that they do feel special. And this actually did get people in the door very early, you know? Oh, yeah. People were there. Let's <laughs> see what this they, was. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, if you're going to if you're going to start your show, start it with something that people don't want to miss so that they're they're fucking buying beers and shit and getting in the door. Look at split. That's what you want. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, uh, fill those fill those chairs up, too. No one wants uh, no. that shit on tape without no. you know, the the little post-it note on the front chairs, right? Get those yeah. chairs full. See, that's and let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. That's something we haven't really touched on. That's a pet peeve of mine. So when we first started doing, um, we started doing the company. Uh, we didn't do uh, reserved front row or second yeah. row, and the reason I was so steadfast against it is because I thought it really allowed people to just kind of wander in at their leisure, and you know climb into their seat whenever. And I'm like, fuck that, man! You know, like you're gonna show up like halfway through the show and leave this row of seats open. It doesn't make us look good. Um, but in in all fairness, the lazy ass people that do that shit. I felt challenged to create cards that made them not want to do that. Yeah. So it did push me creatively, but I do hate reserve seating. Yeah. I hate it, it so much. I, I I like it for the fact that the people that keep up with the company and know exactly when tickets go on sale mm-hmm. are usually the folks that get them for us. Typically, they're usually yes. Usually more of our hardcore Typ- fans. Typically, yes. But but there there have been there have been events where we just have these swaths of seat with yeah. post its like they up just, front, and they you, just happen to come across us. It don't read pretty on the camera, brother. No. Um, no but yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, hell, that's WWE gives away front row seats for a reason. Um, they give away most of that lower level. Uh-huh. K5, motherfuckers. <laughs> okay, so the next <laughs> match we did, not only did we open with a fucking steel cage match after that, we did a battle royal. We came, we, we opened with a battle royal. This is a, a Gates of Ecstasy uh, match where um, our battle royals at every Ecstasy of Gold, which... Did we neglect to mention that this was Ecstasy of Gold it, 5? It ex- like our flagship yeah, event. It's our flagship yeah, event. Just, you know, just another show. Yeah. I think, well, I think we were very seat of our pants here and uh, we... <laughs> we were we were changing stuff. Here. Yeah, yeah. We had some curveballs thrown. Go yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, this... Listen to the last episode. This show still feels pretty big um, to me, but... Anyway, yeah, we started with the Battle Royal, and it had become customary that we do uh, Battle Royal on uh, Ecstasy of Gold. I love booking the Battle Royals. I love launching angles and storylines from Battle Royals. And, of course, the prize for this Battle Royal was always um, a main event spot on the next year's Ecstasy of Gold. So whoever won this Battle Royal would wind up with a championship uh, opportunity at Ecstasy of Gold 6. I think that stipulation really made it interesting story-wise to let someone who has this ultimate uh, uh, prize already set up like how do they spend the next year 
you know, what do they do? And some, you know, they've got to wait a year. What are they going to do? Are they just going to kind of coast? Or are they going to, are they going to try and build momentum toward that date? Like, what are they doing? And then you really think about it. It's really like only five or six shows away. Yeah. That title match, because we only run every other month. We weren't doing monthly shows. So when you watch back, you see this arc with this guy approaching this, this ultimate payoff five or six shows down the road. It doesn't, it doesn't feel so long, but um, yeah, so this this battle royal I remember being pretty good, and we took this as an opportunity to introduce a gentleman by the name of Massive, who is no longer with us. Yeah. Um, so uh, Massive was a guy I met uh, my first year in the business. Um, he was one of the the veteran guys from El Paso. Yeah. Um, always very bright, very jovial guy. Um, had a legit. Uh, strain to him as well like not somebody you wanted to really cross or fuck with but a very jovial very happy guy yeah um so he was from el paso he trained with uh eddie uh eddie guerrero yeah yeah he and, was uh he was a guerrero uh a guerrero, guerrero house house guy he yep. he was uh he had a pedigree he yeah. definitely had a pedigree i think um uh, hurricane hector was the main guy who who was hand in hand with the Guerreros that worked with uh, Massive and was his mentor but yeah from that group right um, Chavo Senior and that, that whole group down there um, he um, dur- there was a point in time he, he was actually incarcerated so yeah. he was uh, he was caught up in a, an identity theft ring down there <laughs> I, I remember seeing him at ACW once yeah. I think and I, when you kind of approached approached me about using him, I had some trepidation. Um, I enjoyed Sal. I enjoyed his presence, and I enjoyed his family. Uh, there was a point, though, where things kind of went funny with our relationship with him. Uh, I'm just thinking in general, now that someone's gone, yeah. you know, you kind of look back on stuff. I, I I think I was less than impressed here with this debut uh, because I'd been kind of sold a bill of sale. It <laughs> was a little different than what we got. Um, initially, we were I was kind of told that Massive for his size would be a little bit more agile and faster. And he came in and I didn't really think he'd... He had time to prepare for this and I didn't think he had. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I mean, you want to talk about the Battle Royal and everything else going on in it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but that—that's massive. Massive yeah. had uh, just to give you guys the backstory of of who he was and where he came from. Because I, I, I think um, much to your point, right? In Austin, he had only really been in Austin one time, you know. So I don't think people knew his past. Um, so he had moved up to Austin from El Paso, had been working in El Paso, and and was back up in Austin. And yeah, back in the day. The, the thing was, it was the feud between him and Rex Reed, and fuck, probably nobody knows those names, but um, they were both very big guys that were very agile. Moonsaults, Hurricanranas, crazy, agile, lucha shit. But that's not what we got here. We got so, we got kind of this lumbering mulk who, uh, he, did, he did make a lot of people look fairly diminutive. Yeah. But, um... The, the pacing at, uh, at which he presented himself, he was he looked gassed all through this. I, I oh, kind of thought yeah. he, it, he it, was not in, especially this battle royal. Yeah, he he was not in shape for it. Was not what I really wanted, and I remember just kind of sitting back and going, "Oh God!" Well, wasn't there? Was, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're tied to this now, yeah. you know. And there was a point. Yeah, I remember this now. There was a point where he just basically sat in the corner for a portion of the battle royale. Yeah, it was really embarrassing because we were trying to set him up to be this monster. We wanted to create a monster uh, heel character. But when you put them in this position where they're just kind of sitting down to catch their breath, it just it it didn't sell him to the crowd. It to me was very much an an East Texas flub. (laughs) That's that's how it felt to me. I was I was really bummed. But I loved Sal and I was committed to making whatever we did with him work. I think there was some other good stuff in this battle royal though. Um but I you know Oh Rob Barnes. Yeah. This was Rob Barnes. I think this was Kiefer Bartek's first time with us. Yep. In this battle royal. Yeah. Um more more people that would pop back up yeah later on, right? Yeah. Um 
it was it did set yeah. the it, it let us introduce and test out people. I remember like um ACH Albert would often give me shit about battle royals and how we use them. And he would go like, you know, why do you why do you do this, bruh? Why do you do this shit, bruh? <laughs> and I'd go, you want to know why I do it? And he'd go, yeah. And and I told him eventually, well, um, I like to know that I can work with somebody. And if people can follow the minutia, uh, I know that I can pretty much get gold out of them. And I remember that pissing Albert off really badly, which I didn't understand why. You want people who are going to be able to take direction. Yeah. He, he's not the only one. There's been other vets that are like, oh... You don't you don't give a tryout match in a battle royal. You're just throwing stuff together, and it's like, well, no, we're not. Actually, a really good way to see if yeah. people follow direction. These these battle royals are very storied out. They, I mean, they 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 come with a script, and they're they're very meticulously designed. My entire belief is that even if I only get seventy percent of the 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 stuff on page down even 60 percent it is 100 percent better than most battle royals you'll see anywhere and uh that's uh that that's certainly the case i think most of our battle royals nobody's going to be able to argue are are unpleasant to watch they all they all evoke emotion and they have stories and they go places they're not just shit just thrown together it's it, I, I don't think we've ever done a battle royal that didn't leave someone elevated yeah. That's the entire point. Yeah. So. And there's, there's always been a point to doing them. Yeah. The vets can go suck my dick. Yeah. They don't know nothing. Yeah, they think they do, Jesus but it's like, Christ. no, man, fuck them vets. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I've never had. Particular ones. Yes. Like, yeah. Who do you think sucks? Who Who's, do I think Name sucks. a vet that sucks, man. Rudy boy. Yeah. Rudy boy sucks. You know who I think sucks? I'm sorry. And you can, I mean, I've always thought he sucked, um, but like. Byron Wilcott, well, you know, he's like persona non gratis now, but like he used to always come at me and talk to me like he was some fucking like uh, grizzled vet. And he'd be <laughs> I, I, like, bruh, you're making mistakes here, bruh, what you doing, bruh, just constantly. And it's like whenever, and not that he was around, but there was a reason why I didn't want him around a lot, you know? I, I, ne I don't think of him as a vet, but I guess, yeah, I guess he, he definitely presented himself that way. And I always looked at it as like a bit, um, but yeah, I can see that. What a train wreck of a human being, Byron Wilcott, the uh, the the uh, alleged rapist flat earther. You you think that that you think that's a that's that he's trolling people? I don't think so. I've yeah. seen him. No man, I've seen him have so many debates about being a flat earther, bro. I'm telling you, the guy's a pilot from Louisiana Tech. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't I don't know who to trust anymore. This is like it's like fucking total recall every week over here. I mean, it it may be that he's only flown from like I don't know fucking what Lafayette to fucking Baton Rouge or some shit, and then thinks that the rest <laughs> of the Earth is fucking flat and that's just the center. But I don't know, man. I I the guy's a fucking goofball and always been a troll. So yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, like. Uh, uh, there, but there were also there have also been people who uh, who are in the business who whom I respect who definitely did give us our due on the battle royals. I yeah. mean, I, 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 there was there were a few NWA promoters from from Louisiana area who used to say, "Wow, these battle royals are better than anything I've seen on TV." Like Fred Urban came yeah. in and was. Uh... Oh. I wish we had comped him. Oh man! But he drove from Odessa to one of our shows. Yeah, he was um, he was a doll. Yeah. That's one guy that I really enjoyed meeting, and he was so complimentary, and uh, you could tell that he was paying attention to the product. It's like um, he just like walked up out of the shadows too. It was yeah, so weird. Didn't tell us he was coming. Like I would have comped him. Yeah, I like it when people don't make a big deal out of like themselves coming in you've always yeah. got these assholes who are like on their cell phone going bruh i'm about to walk into the building yeah. it's like i don't care <laughs> like i'm busy right now man i'm about to walk in the building i need a seat yeah three for yeah. my cardboard cutouts yeah. brother i'm like <laughs> yeah yeah Is, talking about that guy jimmy jimmy, per, jimmy, jimmy perez be walking in. i'm like i'll grab a seat and then he sits down I'm like no man grab a seat and put it somewhere god damn it i need help i don't need you fucking sitting around getting in my way um jimmy fucking perez Man, let's take a moment. <laughs> let's take a moment since we're talking about uh, shitbag vets <laughs> to uh, go into uh, the situation with a guy who has actually been on some of our cards, a guy by the name of Mr. B. Yeah. Um, a guy whom, uh, during the call out, 
was crucified. He was raked over the coals, and rightfully so. He had been kind of outed as courting a very young girl. uh, What age? 15? I think 14 or 15. 14 or 15, maybe even younger, because this happened over the course of years, I believe. And um, when this occurred... There was just this, uh, you know, uh, B went dark. He, you know, he pulled him because I've had people asking me about this recently. And just this past week in the business, uh, there's a promoter by the name of Jimmy Perez. (laughs) Jimmy Perez is a colorful guy. He's the kind of guy that sets up uh, stuff and advertises talent that, of course, never makes it uh, mysteriously. Uh, One of my favorite things about Perez is that he sets up WWE cardboard cutouts like the life-size ones, and he charges the fans uh, to take pictures with them, which is just to me like the most... You can't. It's like some like if they made if Danny McBride made a fucking wrestling promoter movie. That's a that's something that the Danny McBride wrestling promoter would fucking do. Okay, that's like some Kenny Powers bullshit. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so apparently uh, Jimmy decided in all of his infinite wisdom to book Mr. B. He's the first guy to do so, uh, and you know Jimmy. I feel you know. He, he never ragged on us, but he definitely had... He was a sweetheart, but he was a weird character when he was there. He carried himself with a certain stature yeah. of importance that I didn't, it, I didn't And understand. I've been around long enough to know that he's fucked over enough of the boys that he's not a good guy. Oh, fuck yeah, man. So anyway, uh, there's this tag team that notices that B is booked on his next... Uh, extravaganza <laughs> and they go yeah we don't really feel comfortable doing this and i think perez's response in the chat box that i saw was look i'm not into drama i'm just trying to have a good time i'm just trying you know i mean you know he's not there to you know have sex with young girls and it's like well on the contrary that's kind of actually what he did <laughs> you know he used his clout as a wrestler to try and impress a very young person into meeting him in a hotel room and that's why you can't have a guy like that around and you can't just let the guy go unchecked you can't do that but anyway these guys were like yeah we don't feel comfortable being on the same card as him or being involved with a company that's going to basically uh use talent like this and make excuses for them and then Jimmy perez responds with uh utter vitriol and says that he's going to be contacting his lawyer and have these two guys these two no-name wrestlers sued into the earth uh take take their family's farm or some shit because they don't want to wrestle on a card with a dude that tried to double down on a 13 year old girl in a hotel room and really that's what it comes down to but anyway yeah fuck the vets i'm sorry fuck the vets i'll say it all day long if there's anybody that's cool they know that they're cool i'm a nice guy but nobody nobody's accomplished anything enough to be a shithead good think, people are good people that's it think about it. it's, it's bad enough who the fuck is Mr. B drawing that you're doubling down on this fucking, you're velveteen dreaming this motherfucker? I just don't understand. Like, like, fuck you. Have you ever seen a B match and gone, holy shit, that's great. Like, I liked B because he was a competent, uh, a competent worker. But for the most part, I found him to be, um, he had a really big ego. But he, no, you don't Bro. put, you didn't put B on a card and get anybody on it that wouldn't already fucking be there. Bro, B got booked. I would say probably 55% of the time because the show needed a fucking sound system. Or right? lights. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. You know? Like... It was also pretty shitty to George De La Isla quite a bit. Yeah. Um, that's another thing is like, uh, there are people out there that go, I'm a George De La Isla guy. And then you have B who fucking errantly stole from him and they'll go and work his fucking podunk Bush League army clean Copper's Cove bullshit show. It's like, look, if you're a George De La Isla guy, then why are you taking a booking from a dude that fucking stole from an old blind man? Yeah. Like... I'm not naming names, but you know who you are. You know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, the Battle Royal, our Battle Royals really do serve a function. Is they that launch. Where um, is that where we were at? We was a t- <laughs> but, but I digress, Bess. Um, <laughs> Holy fuck, yeah, there was. There's Battle Royal. Yeah. Fuck. Dude, we're two matches into this thing, okay? It's going to be a two-episode, man. <laughs> man, maybe. I don't know. It's sexy um, to see a gold, I'm telling you. So, the, okay, so yeah, the, our Battle Royals. They're good. They elevate people. They tell stories. They let me see if people can actually handle simple direction. Because if you can't handle simple direction or you're going to give me the finger, then you can go kick rocks in the parking lot, man. I don't have I don't need to have anything to do with you. I'd rather have someone. I think I think you can make 
make any sort of talent look good in terms of how you present them if they can follow directions. That's a huge fucking deal. Just listen to the dude paying you. Okay, this is a job at the end of the day. Anyway, we're moving on from that and uh, still fuck the vets uh, to uh, a singles match that is a a a total landmark um, in our company because this was the match that uh, that introduced our audience partially to Maxwell Jacob Friedman of AEW fame currently. Yeah, and there's a promo before this match that just. If you watch that promo, you can see he is on a different level. He, uh, so when I first met him, I just thought he was the biggest doll on the planet. So he gets to this show super early. Yeah. He, I think his flight was super early. He is, just came and hung out. He is lovable. So he politicked his way into that title match right away. Things, you know, I have a different opinion of, of Friedman now than I did then, but I really loved him. This was, of course, something that uh, TJ brokered. Yeah. Bringing him was. in, and, and there, were, there was this idea, you know, after we kind of encountered him and we really felt like we gelled, uh, where we were excited to basically try and book a long term angle that would help us get noticed using this guy who was legitimately a workhorse. I mean, this guy was on every indie of note and he was performing at a phenomenal level and beyond just his skill in the ring, he had this really great old school persona that I feel like he gets a lot of weird comparisons. But when I watched him, I got the same feeling that I would get from Piper. To me, he was like, he was like a Jewish version of Rowdy Piper. You know, he was... So, so at this point, I don't even think he's three years in. No. I think he's like two and a half years in, and he just had a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, he, um, but he was he was a doll to work with at this point. Um, was really kind of a, a freaking... What's the word for it? You know, protege? Not protege. Protege is the word. Yeah. Um, like... Um, he was work, he was working his ass off, man. Yeah. He was everywhere, and uh, I mean, there were times where he'd fly in from fucking you know he like when he flew in from AEW from the first uh, from the first event that they did. Yeah. You know, he came in, slept in the corner, and then got in the ring, and he never didn't have a smile on his face. He was just yeah. always super pleasant. So you know, I, I'll give uh, I'll give Wrestle Circus their flowers here too. You know, we saw him at a Wrestle Circus show, and this was, you know, just before he blows up. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we also need to give them credit. They were they were fans of all all the like crazy super indie shows, so they did a good job of finding guys that were about to bust out. So, um, while they there's kind of this, you know, frustration from our point that they have this huge budget to play with and they're just throwing money at guys in some cases they found the right guys to throw money at yeah but also i feel like if you're gonna do that it's great to do it i think there's a certain i think i think i wish they had paced themselves a bit more um the way that we used friedman i think was good because we weren't just bringing in someone new every month. We were paying to bring in MJF every month or every other month to do this long-term storyline. And I, I think that that's how you do it. I mean, it really kind of made him someone down here. He felt like one of our guys, Yeah, you know, he was part of the roster. He was definitely part of the roster, but he was also just, he, he kind of was, he was an Austin guy. It felt like, you know? Um, and so we got the question how soon, and I made the joke about, the him politicking the first night, but it really wasn't that. How soon? <laughs> how soon was it into the MJF run that we we knew that he was capable of of holding the big belt? Um, I think it was right after this first meeting. For me, it was because I, I started cooking up the angle and how we were gonna. How I mean, I had a bunch of ideas already at that point, you know. Yeah. So, and and we'll get into that, um, you know, as he comes back, because yeah, we do go right into it. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea was that MJF could be this guy who was known on a on a larger scale. He was everywhere. He could get eyes on the belt. We even let him take the belt, which is something that we do not do. Um, and, that, and it proved us right. Yeah, it proved us right again eventually. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like, we've, I mean, we've had people, like, 
this is a rule. Um, belts are not cheap to get made. And so I guard them like the Cerberus. I think like Keith Lee was the only person who actually toted our belt around and took it home and did stuff with it where I felt comfortable with it because I knew that he was professional enough to take care of it. He didn't leave it in the back of a fucking unlocked car and outside of a waffle house for it to get stolen. Um, <laughs> what's great. What's crazy is like, I've, I've never seen anyone have the issues we've had with this. Yeah. You know, which, which I guess. Wait, wait. What issues? Belts getting stolen? Yeah. That's bullshit. People get not, not at the pace that we've had. Well, with not with the the pace we've had with the people that we've trusted. Well, Mike Dell lost Lions Pride belt. That's a good example. Yeah. I mean, AEW even had a belt lost. I don't entirely believe that yeah. was a fucking work. Um, I don't think so. Either. <laughs> Jericho got sauced up and fucking. Yeah, that. Sh- I mean, it happens. But like, we don't let people take the belts with them. Those are things that are locked up in a dark box. Uh, after the end of the show, and they don't see the light of day till the next event. But MJF was a guy that we actually trusted. Spoilers, you know he's. We we knew that we wanted to utilize his his rising status to put some uh, some eyes and attention on our title. Um, but anyway, here here we had uh, MJF going up against uh, Cody Lane uh, Summers. And this was a fantastic match. I think I think everybody came out of this uh, smelling like roses. Personally, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was this was Cody's first big. This was his first name, right? Yeah. Um, even though you know it was a budding name, but it was definitely the the first name that he had. Um, I think people knew MJF was going somewhere at that point. Yeah, and you know it's it's always weird to me. I always hear the like, well, MJF is a great great promo but you know his work rate's not that great and like no it's holy fuck we we saw the best of him i think well i think he was phenomenal i think i think he's also a guy that's um conserving himself i think that's fine i think he he knew what the end game was but he also knows how to do little things he adds in little flourishes like that's another thing that really reminds me of piper You, you saw a guy like piper and he wasn't flipping off the walls but he would do little things like eye gouges back rakes these tiny little accents that made you fucking hate him and really that's what you want you want somebody as a character that's going to come in and just make you fucking hate them and there's no doubt that he did that he didn't have go away heat no one watched any of his matches in our company and thought oh this guy sucks he comes off as formidable he comes off as as a very good wrestler yeah. and that's i think this is know, a good example yeah these these two killed it that night yeah and both you know yeah mjf was established and cody was brought up a notch so yeah i'll yeah. Ne- and i'll never call him con- like like reserved i think he's kind of con- conservative in how he how he's working and you know what man years from now he's not going to be some fucking no need mess yeah. You know, that's yeah, he's, that, st- he's still taking care of himself. Yeah, I think I think when people ridicule people in the business for um, for not just going balls to the wall and, and destroying themselves, I, I just I look at those people like like, what the fuck, man? This isn't Christians to the lions. You want these people to be well, you know, it's like getting mad at Bruce Willis for not really getting shot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, he is a pussy. Fat. I mean, I, he sucks. But like, <laughs> you know, I mean. Just an example. Anyway, this, yeah, this was the beginning of something big with Maxwell Jacob Friedman, this guy who uh, is forever ingrained in our company, and we'll be talking about him a lot more <laughs> as, as these episodes progress. And it's it's funny, man. We're actually getting toward the end. Have you noticed that? There aren't yeah. that many events left. Um, so that 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 show where I discuss cleaning products is on the horizon. <laughs> <It's coming. laughs> anyway, so up next, uh, after this, we have the Inspire Pro Twin Dragon Connection title match where Bruno De La Rosa and Stacy Slade ultimately wind up um, working against Delilah Doom and Thunder Rosa. Uh, Vega is doing his own thing right now at this point, doing stuff with besties. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, besties are really blowing up. He's blowing up. So, like, we wanted to do Vega and Doom again, but it just didn't. It, it, you know, the stars didn't, didn't align, but we have Doom and Thunder here, and this is a great tag team, and yeah. man, does Thunder really lay into these guys. Um, even here, you can see it, you know? Oh, yeah. she, she brought a different level of intensity. Yeah. It was a different pace and a different level of intensity that she brought. I, I also kind of, I mean, I, I think I've gotten pretty good at noticing when things are 
kind of going weird in a match. One of my favorite things about uh, Thunder Rosa is that when people are dragging or they're not cooperating, she will fucking <laughs> hit them. Like she'll fucking hit them. And I, I love that. I, it's like very old school, but also it kind of lights a fire under guys' asses. And a lot of the times when it's a guy that she's doing it with, they just do not expect it. And it's, uh, it, she's, she's great for any, for any, um, for any style of match she's working, be it with another woman or be it with uh, men, she hangs with everybody. And I was so excited to have her here because I knew that she deserved those opportunities. And she was really instrumental, I think, in helping us guide our female division into something that was more uh, intergender based. Because um, we had people like her who could definitely hang with everybody. But So this storyline here, Delilah comes to reclaim... These titles from uh, the big boys, uh, the heavy hearts, and it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't. It's, we're basically closing, closing the loop on the, the rematches at this point. Right? Yeah. So there's something kind of funny that happens here. Uh, this is where I start to kind of get a little frustrated with uh, Jay Sirius. Because he was supposed to be out, he was supposed to be out here during, out on the floor during the match. Yeah, he missed the he missed the cue altogether, and he, well, he, was, he was supposed to be a manager. He was supposed to be managing then, the he, the heavy hearts, then and he was going to come out at the cue. Yeah, and he he misses the cue. Yeah, which is just to me, it just means that he fucking blew it off. <laughs> and um, the whole point of that was that I really wanted to set up a match between. I was trying to use this to like build up to Delilah and Jay Sirius. Yes, and him blowing it off actually kind of made me work toward it in a creative way that, you know, in a different way, creatively. But I was really kind of frustrated. Sirius is a guy whom I love. I respect him. But man, does he take liberties and it drives me fucking nuts. Like you can't coming up on a big one. Oh, yeah, man. You can't you can't fucking trust him. So so this is something we had planted the seeds in the in the trios match. Yeah. You know, with the the watch and the the XX belt. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, the heavy hearts retain. Uh, I think at this point, not to offend them, though I don't even think they listen. Oh, you'd be surprised who listens. Well, maybe maybe they'll hear this. But this was a point where I started to kind of feel like the hearts really weren't working to the best of their abilities in terms of what they were putting on as a show. Sometimes you get guys that just, I feel like they're just, they're working shows that they treat as almost just like a local show. You know, they work at that rate. Uh, so, some guys don't know any better. But yeah, but well, Bru- this was Bruno a, did. Yeah, Bruno definitely did, and I felt like this was kind of like a. It was they were on cruise control at this point, and it really disappointed me, uh, because I feel like when they were on and they were trying to incense the audience, they could do it and they could be entertaining and physical in the ring. Um, uh, also, at this point, uh, Stacy was having some problems physically, I believe. Yeah. Uh, was always very injury prone and I yeah. think that was popping up. Oh yeah. As you pop that Coke Z. Oh yeah, that Coke Z. Well I need a sponsorship boy. <laughs> um okay, so yeah, I mean this is so you know the heavy hearts retain. We have them as a fairly established heel stable. They're moving merch like crazy by the way at this point too. Yeah. Though I mean they had they were fairly popular as sellers. They were really doing well. Um as much as certain people want to be critical of them, yeah. uh they captured the imaginations of <laughs> many audience members and they were sort of beloved even if they were kind of also hated at, yeah. at the same time. We should have taken our 10%, goddamn it. I think it's because they were a fun a fun yeah. idea and people love fun ideas even well, if they're, they're heels. So. Bright, colorful, you know, fun throwback. Yeah. They were a tag team, tag team. Absolutely. So after this, we have uh, the return of Ricky Starks. This is huge. This is a huge moment where we have Turl Tempo, who are starting to, we're, we're approaching in a different way, uh, going up against Ricky. And Ricky is kind of presented as just this guy that is unstoppable. And um, Terrell shows a new wrinkle. Takes and a little, a little shortcut. He takes a shortcut in the same way that Stevo did when he first encountered Tempo. So there's this kind of interesting cycle that's occurring where, when Steve found 
Tempo to be this daunting guy. He took a shortcut, and here Tempo does something sort of similar, and it it gives his character an interesting patina. Tempo doesn't just go heel outright here, but you see him trying to kind of play a game that doesn't necessarily rely on his ability or acumen as a wrestler. It, it's an interesting story. It's it's a fun story because it's the um, it, it's the trek up the mountain. Versus yeah. the trek once you're at the top, right? Yeah. The, the the values that you may hold as you're trying to get to the top of the mountain may change as you're looking from the top of the mountain. It really is a Rocky Three kind of story. I, I've always thought Rocky Three was the best Rocky movie in the series. And that's no joke, because you have this guy who's won this ultimate title he's at the top of the hill and he's kind of poised to just be this dude who's beating people that are just easy fights they're just he's not really challenging himself he's got this mansion and millions of dollars and he's got the title and he's not hungry for it anymore he doesn't have the same aggressive uh, ambition uh, because he's got it all he's won it all And, and once you're at the top what do you do i mean tempo you know tempo's at the top at this point with the uh the title i think this is ultimately somewhere where we were trying to figure out what to do with um, the Pure Prestige match, uh, the, the Pure Prestige title, sorry. We had this, I think, ultimate idea where eventually Ricky would Ricky would get defeated here, and then maybe he would circle around and take the belt from Albert, and then we'd do a title ranking match with Ricky and, and Tempo, which we never we never wound up doing because there was just no time. Sometimes, like you know, you have short short amount of time using a guy, um, and and we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, but think too, right? So our mindset a show ago was that Palmer was going to be the pure prestige champion <laughs> yeah. as a heel. Now we have Albert as a babyface having that title. Not only does it change what we're doing in the the main event scene. But all the little matches and pieces building up to it, now we have to kind of either alter or completely change. So this is another domino from what we talked about last show. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think I think also at this point, you know, we knew Ricky was coming back, and we were going to be we were going to be doing some stuff where I was really hell bent on doing another title ranking match at some point, and. I really wanted to set up a feud between Ricky Starks as face and Matthew Palmer as heel. And all of a sudden that was off the table too. I couldn't fucking do that. And I think a lot of people, if you're a fan and you've been following our product, kind of let your mind wander and go, Oh my God, what would have been with Ricky? Ricky is the inspire pro title, uh, holder again, uh, versus, you know, Matthew Palmer is a pure prestige champion. It would have been an. It was a. It was a redemption arc we were setting up where Ricky would have gotten an opportunity to take that Inspire Pro title and finally put it over the top, but also just the idea of Ricky and Matt working together to me was really special. It it would have been I think a top tier angle, and I think we would have gotten gold out of it, but it was not to be. Um, I think we're gonna have to wrap this one up for today, uh, but we'll be back next week and we'll conclude ecstasy of gold five i know we have a ton of questions to get to as well thanks for tuning in uh man we're gonna start off with a bang (laughs) next episode but uh, thanks for joining us